With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This week on This Amalnikan Life, we're trying to talk about everything and we're probably doing a terrible job. So welcome to This Amalnikan Life. I'm Poppy. And I'm Beata. And this is the podcast that nobody asked for, but everybody needs. And before beginning the episode, we'd like to acknowledge that the podcast is written and recorded on unceded and unsurrendered Algonquin territory. To support the local Indigenous community, please consider donating to organizations who are providing essential care. Examples are the Ottawa Native Friendship Centre, Wabano, and Minwashin Lodge. So, um, do we want to kick this off by talking about what we're drinking? Of course. Do you want to start, Poppy? Yeah, um, so I, you guys can hear me pull my drink. Um, <laughs> let's see how this goes. I'm just going to hold it next to the mic. Oh, I think that sounds good. <laughs> so I'm drinking um, my favorite coffee, which is um, Bajbok coffee. I always get the Anukshuk blend. It's so good. And it's spiked with a lot of the almond milk Baileys. Ooh, I was gonna say you're not drinking beer today, but at least it's at spiked least coffee. In it. yeah. <laughs> I didn't have time yeah, to run fine. to the store. <laughs> <laughs> I was almost out of beer, but I wasn't. Um, I'm drinking Barrieros, which is my parents' favorite beer. That period of time where the bridge was closed to Gatineau was very tough on my family because you can only get this beer in Quebec. Oh no! So as soon as the bridge opens, the first thing my parents did was got on the bike, went to Gatineau, picked up a whole bunch of Barriade. That's amazing. I Yeah, so I'm probably going to be drinking this, like, every week, probably, because it's the only beer my parents drink. I love that so much. I'm, like, trying to get a new beer order in next week, so we'll see. We'll see the next episode. Hopefully. It'll be a... But it also might be... Maybe I'll be mixing something fun with my soda stream that will hopefully arrive. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so excited for you having this soda stream. Like, I am living oh vicariously god. through you. I'm You've wanted this for so long. I know, it's... I can't wait to see what you make. It's canon at this point. Um, I'm ready to make, like, literally a thousand bubbly cocktails. It's gonna be <laughs> the best time. And every single time we, like, usually would crack the top of the beer, it's just gonna be the ch of me opening the bottle. <laughs> Alright, so wait. having gotten aside this very important part of our podcast, <laughs> there's a lot that's happened since we last recorded um no shit. to an extent that like i don't think we even anticipated so last episode we did talk a little bit about hockey culture i mean we always talk a little bit about hockey culture but the last time we were talking it was about the leaked messages and it was about um yeah. misogyny 
in hockey. And then very shortly after we released our uh, episode, the article by Akeem Aliyu dropped, which is about his experience as a black person in the NHL. And mm-hmm. then all of these like protests in the US and across Canada started because of, um, once again, police brutally murdering people of color in the streets, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been like a really weird sort of situation in which we were already it talking, really or at has. least hockey players, a lot of and hockey media was already talking a lot about racism because of um, mm-hmm. Aliyu's article. And then all of these things started happening around the world, right? Yeah, it's a very bad time to have a serious hockey podcast. But man, we have a lot to talk about as a <laughs> hockey culture podcast. Um, obviously not all, not always a good thing. I do wish we didn't have some of these things to talk about, but wow. Yeah, I think that, I think that it's both the worst and the best time. Uh, ideally we wouldn't have this much to talk about. Ideally I, I would be talking about send social media so much more, but I think that at least in this situation, we have had a relatively strong outpouring of support from NHL players and from hockey players in general, which isn't super common necessarily i mean obviously we heard from jt brown who Mm -hmm. is like a black hockey player he's very outspoken at this point i think we can expect to hear from him yeah for sure yeah he's probably the one player who's actually like taken a stand yeah i mean he's also like said that he's donating to the minnesota relief fund right like he's yeah but he's always been a very politically outspoken well i mean like what I meant is, like, in the past, he has kind of been the only player who's actually taken a stand. Like, he raised his fist during the anthem and stuff, which is such a yeah. small thing, but it did... There there was a lot of controversy about that. Like, it, it was a big thing. He was the only player in the NHL to ever do that, right? Like, that yeah. was a whole thing. And then mm-hmm. um, P.K. Subban has shared, like, some bits and pieces. P.K. Mm-hmm. Subban, as we all know, I'm his biggest fan. <laughs> um, he's always very careful I find yeah. with like the way that he expresses um, any kinds of opinions, he always sort of seems to teeter on the line. He did yeah. slash does have his blue line project where he um, sort of gets um, black kids and police officers mm-hmm. to go to like hockey games together and stuff to try and build a better relationship between communities of color and um, the police and whatever mm-hmm. like city he's playing in. I'm going to say that I think that outreach project is obviously flawed, but I think that it's a good, I think it's a good step. And I think that it's one of the few cases in which um, hockey players have actually approached the topic of police violence and mistrust towards police, right? Like that's... Definitely. And I think that, you know, obviously P.K. Subban does need to be a little bit more careful about this because whenever he speaks up about that, he's going to get a lot of backlash and Mm. he's very aware of that. Um, So obviously I do wish that he and all other hockey players would talk about this stuff more, but I do understand why he would be a little bit more reserved about it to kind of protect himself, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, A, you're a black player on the NHL. That's Mm -hmm. in itself, you're like an outlier. B, um, we had the whole mess in Montreal where, you know, when he was fired, even though he was, oh, sorry, he was traded, even though he was like (laughs) a superstar on the team, 
-hmm. And it was, you know, this whole thing about him having quote unquote attitude issues. You know, he was, his personality was too much. His attitude was bad. And it was literally just a black player who had fun, right? Like, yeah. And he's probably like the most recognizable, the most popular black player in the NHL too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that, um, you know, that does lead to a lot of scrutiny. And I think that he's probably very smart the way he kind of toes the line in these things. Um, I think that JT Brown is more outspoken. Um, People know Mm -hmm. that JT Brown and his wife both are very political. Yeah, his wife is awesome. I follow her on Twitter. Everyone, please follow her. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, if you're like, you know, you're you're a black hockey player with a PhD wife, you're both really, really political, like... Um, it's sort of become expected, but no offense to JT Brown. He isn't as big of a superstar as PK Subban is. I mean, I'd say that the PK Subban star has kind of like dimmed a little bit over recent years, but, um, he still is like huge, right? Like, definitely. Or is that just in my brain because I love him so much? (laughs) No, I think he's still pretty big. (laughs) He was like my favorite player when I still was watching Habs games. He was like... He's, he's the great. guy to watch. Um, yeah. yeah, so other people who spoke out were Blake Wheeler, Logan Couture, Kyle Turris, obviously, uh, king and icon. Um, Sarah Ness, who side, like, completely unrelated. Sarah Ness is also doing the milk spawn. Um, <laughs> and she did the most incredible one where she hung up, like, bags of milk. If you're not from Canada, I think most of our listeners are, but if you're not... <laughs> You can buy milk in plastic bags here. It's disturbing, but it's just what people do. Um, she hung up the plastic bags of milk and then, like, shot pucks at them so that they, mm-hmm. like, bust. And then used that as her milk spawn. I don't know. I, I It was great. I loved it. <laughs> I mean, she's literally destroying the product that she's advertising for. But she's also kind of encouraging buying it, even if it's yeah, for well, a stupid reason. Clearly, right? she so. bought a lot of it. <laughs> Yeah, um, that was a complete aside. Um, yeah. Soria Tinka, who was drafted for the Riveters, she recently shared some experiences talking about, especially as like a mixed player, yeah. these like very weird comments that her parents would hear um, about her race and about how she she specifically shared an example in which her mom was, you know, pointed out who she was. And one of the other parents said, oh, yes, I know that like the mixed kids do really well in sports it was if it was like a weird like yeah i don't even want to like go into i mean i don't even know how to properly and responsibly go into that statement but um Mm -hmm. that's obviously a very weird um very outdated idea of race as something that Mm -hmm. um holds status and um sort of specific talents with it i guess it's just a really weird thing to say to a parent as well but it is what we're saying here is that there's a lot of discussion going on right now within hockey media mm-hmm. um yeah. mark borbieski shared something on his instagram story too i saw that oh yeah um he's also been like i mean bless us all he's also like obsessively <laughs> commenting on like everything and being like yes you said yeah. it so well um <laughs> he's great I actually DM'd him on Instagram saying, like, hey, just want to say I appreciate everything you're doing. Like, you know, 
it's not going unnoticed by Suns fans, and he didn't see it, but I didn't really expect it. Expect him yeah. to. I was just thinking that if he read his messages, I'd like there to be a, a positive one there. Um, but I will say, what's really interesting to me is that when this Players Tribune article was published, nobody in the NHL said anything. Like mm. Saroya Tinker, like she shared experiences after that, but. The NHL put out a statement basically saying, like, yeah, we read his article. It was really upsetting, all the things he said about the minor leagues, and we're really committed to eliminating that, and, like, completely just did not acknowledge the stuff he had said about the NHL, um, didn't talk about any specific, like, actions they were taking to make the league a more welcoming place for Black players. No NHL players said anything about it. And then a few weeks later, thankfully, they are actually speaking up um yeah. but it is it, it does tell you like how far things have to escalate for players to say anything at all and even now a lot of the statements are prefaced with like oh sorry if this offends anyone like i'm not trying to offend anyone yeah. right? like they're so reluctant to say anything and even what they say is so like watered down and so hesitant and it just tells you so much about hockey culture i totally agree with you on that there were like a few players who did sort of say like oh you know we think it's really brave of him to speak out about this mm-hmm. and like you know like there was some support um mm-hmm. but i feel that and I, I really agree with you that a lot of these statements and a lot of statements that are literally like very baseline showing solidarity you know, I'm sorry this happened to you. We need to work on our culture or, you know, I'm I'm I want to show solidarity with what people are going through in the states right now, which mm-hmm. just a quick reminder for everybody that these things do not just happen in the states. Yeah. I I think that the fact that all of these was were kind of started off with I don't want to offend anyone really mm-hmm. shows the audience that we're dealing with in the NHL as well and this complete fear of alienating the audience of primarily white very masculine macho you know conservative Mm -hmm. uh traditional like hockey boys a it's it's not great for your sport to have that as the main audience not just because you know obviously i have a problem with that audience but also because it shows that your audience is so lacking in diversity yeah for sure and i think that this really um moves into something that I wanted to talk about as well as, like, Ottawa Senators fans, which is um, that Mark Borowiecki went on Valanen's podcast, uh, which is called I'm Walking the Line with Wally. <laughs> I don't even... <laughs> That's such an... I mean, I don't even know what to say about this nickname, but I'm going <laughs> to let it slide. Basically, what happened is that Valanen, you may or may not know, had a really bad injury uh, last year mm-hmm. and sort of while he couldn't play, was um, becoming involved in, you know, bits and pieces of media. And out of that came this podcast. Yeah, this was the first episode that I listened to. And, like, I don't know if I'll listen to any more of his podcast. No shade to um, Willannon. By the way, I was very shocked when he pronounced his name Willannon because I'm so used to your German pronunciation. Um, and I was like, you're pronouncing your own name wrong. I've been saying it wrong this entire time. And as we all know, I stan him. <laughs> this is so embarrassing for me. 
Um, but anyways, yeah, this is the first episode of his that I listened to. Like, I was mostly there for Mark Borowiecki. I'm not sure I would listen to more of him. He's, he's not, I mean, yeah, well, Lennon, I'm not sure that I would listen to more of him. He's not the most exciting player, but, um, in terms of personality, I mean, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> I just, no, no, like, um, I, I enjoyed think- this episode. I think that you have a really good point in that he is still relatively reserved. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that he has some really interesting things to say. And a big thing that they were talking about was players in the NHL specifically being really bad with their words, like really bad at expressing yeah. themselves, bad at showing personality. And this is a thing, right? This is why our um, audience is so monotonous because mm-hmm. there's no representation or very little representation. There's no like personality to the sport a huge part of it is like a certain sort of subsect of mm-hmm. white men um who will be very conservative and not just in their politics but in the way that they answer every single question yeah i mean post-game interviews are probably the most boring part of the nhl and it's a huge cliche too right like everyone talks about how boring oh, hockey players are. everybody knows it literally Wolanin and borovietsky were talking about how boring hockey players are on this podcast Mm -hmm. like it's known and in comparison to that i've literally seen more nba post-game interviews than i've seen nba games like (laughs) (laughs) i think that having and and they sort of touched on this as well giving people the opportunity to express themselves and have personalities will grow your sport like i never really considered watching basketball for no other reason than the fact that i just wasn't really exposed to it for a long time and then one of my friends was like, watch this post-game interview with me. It's really funny. And then I kind of like slippery slipped into watching some basketball games. And I think that that's a way to grow your game. And it's not just a way to grow your game. It's a way to diversify your audience. And you desperately need that if you want to survive Definitely. as a sport, as a major league. And sort of tying into that, we had the situation in which they were talking about, you know, how difficult it is to express yourself as a young hockey player. And I think that Willannon is really still learning to grow into that. And he did like talk a lot about how he, you know, he wouldn't post certain things on Instagram. He wouldn't say certain things on his podcast because he's embarrassed or he he's afraid that people are going to ridicule him or he's worried about kind of like, you know, he's still in that mindset despite being aware of it and trying to, you know, go against it, he's still very much affected by this monotonous culture where you shouldn't step out of line. Um, And I think that there's, despite the fact that, you know, he is kind of boring, um, (laughs) I think that there is so much value in just admitting to that. And I think that's probably, like, such an interesting and important part of that conversation is just for these players to say, yeah, like, I'm doing the same thing everybody's doing because I'm afraid. And I think that opens some conversations and some doors. And then having a more established player like Borrow being like, well, okay, but fuck it, (laughs) is, you know, it really opens up, like, a conversation in which I think people are maybe more open to expressing themselves. And you could see it the way they were talking about the leaked messages as well. Like, Willannon was like, well, you know, this isn't representative of all hockey players and this happens, but it's bad. And and Borrow just being like, this shouldn't happen at all. Yeah. And it was really interesting, I find, to get that perspective of 
players because often when these conversations are happening, it's just from a fan perspective. So mm-hmm. I did think it was cool to, to sort of see behind that and see what the players are thinking, what they're talking about. And they did, as you say, they touched on um, the stuff that happened with uh, Brandon Leipzig and the leaked messages and stuff. And they were talking about, like, oh, this makes us all look bad. Well, Lennon was kind of saying, you know, this isn't really what hockey culture is. Mm. Um, like, obviously, these people exist, but that's not what it's like in the locker room. And I wish people knew that. And one of the things that he said that stood out to me a lot was he said, well, I think that the the actions and the words of players like Borvietsky speak so much louder than the actions and words of people like Brendan Leipzig. And I was listening to that thinking like, well, no, they don't. Like maybe in the locker rooms they do. I have no idea. Mm. But from a fan perspective, Boro isn't really saying much to me, right? Like he occasionally makes tiny statements in support of LGBTQ plus people or in support of the Black Lives Matter movement, but he's not an activist. And what I what speaks a lot louder to me is all the players who do things like what Brandon Leipzig did or who stay silent when that kind of stuff happens, you know? That's a, that's a really good observation because it shows to us that for us, when somebody um, like Akimo Yu comes forward and tells us about, you know, the really violent hazing and the the racial targeting and the way that he was like literally like harassed by coaches and yeah. people on his team. Um, or when, you know, Leipzig's messages get leaked and we're talking about like horrible ways of talking to women or about women for us as outsiders, those are so unfortunately unsurprising, but so insane, you know, like it's not something that we necessarily are, you know, open about like it's not it's something that you know we experience if if you're a person of color I'm, I'm sure you've experienced something similar to what um Akeem Alu experienced as women we've definitely experienced some like weird and, and cruel hazing and you know shitty scrutiny and all that fun stuff so we're not surprised but seeing it is still really shocking it still speaks really loudly to us whereas if Borrow says racism is bad to us that's like well yeah like <laughs> you know we, we've yeah. talked about this if borrow says gay people deserve to marry like okay cool like yeah you're right like <laughs> you are correct we eat it up like that's because sort of it's... The, the defaults yeah exactly i mean we eat it up because it's literally like the only person on our team who's so vocal about it aside from obviously anders nilsson in terms of lgbtq issues we're obviously all turning into like insane borrow stands because we're like, oh my God, he's so woke. But what he's saying doesn't have that much substance. It's just so surprising to hear it from a hockey player that I think that the people who are actually within hockey are so much more shocked by it because they don't hear it that often. It's not part of the experience. It's not part of the locker room discussion. You know, like at least in my house over the last week, we've had some very important discussions about police Um, and calling the police and what we can do instead of calling the police and Mm -hmm. how we can support actions obviously on the ground and in the U.S. and in Toronto. It makes you realize that these conversations are not happening in the locker room. Nobody's walking into their practice and being like, hey, have you guys, you know, donated to the Minnesota Relief Fund? 
nobody is mm-hmm. speaking like that. So when Barrow says racism is bad, that's like, holy shit, absolutely driving me crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, like, you know, going back to all the statements that a few players have made, a lot of them were very, like I said, very basic, not exactly groundbreaking. I expect mm. more than that from some random person on Twitter, right? Like, yeah. it, it's definitely nothing huge. And yet, because they're hockey players, and they never, ever, ever say anything like this, it feels like a much bigger deal than it is, and it feels like they're making a much bigger statement than they are. I think that you're absolutely correct with that. I think this conversation that we got to listen into between Mulanin and Barrow really kind of gave us the opportunity to understand what these different perspectives are. Like, we're always looking at hockey from the outside. We try to understand hockey culture. Obviously, both you and I have read a lot about it. Uh, We follow it very carefully. But we're never there when players are talking to each other. We don't know who's holding each other accountable, who's, you know, egging each other on. We don't know what these conversations look like. We don't know who's just being quiet. And I think that if you have somebody like Blake Wheeler, even if it's a basic you know, small statement, speaking out in support for the Black Lives Matter movement, maybe, hopefully, that is, like, something that will affect the locker room. I wish that what they were saying was more substantial. I wish that they were kind of, you know, putting their money where their mouth is or sharing direct action opportunities or, you know, like, taking part in these opportunities. But at this point, we're kind of, like, you know, just the smallest steps are steps. Um, yeah, for sure. I think that Akim Aliu, who unfortunately, like, obviously he's not in the NHL anymore. He's, he used to play for the Calgary Flames. He's in the Czech Republic now. But I think that people like Akim Aliu and JT Brown and PK Subban and people who have been, like, outspoken um, about other issues, like Anders Nilsson about LGBTQ issues, Kaltouris about um, disability and, um, you know, ableism, um, We've got, you know, like Barovietsky obviously now sort of trying to weasel his way in with talking about um, sexism within um, Mm -hmm. hockey culture and all these things that people like that ideally will push the conversation further. Ideally, they will create an environment within the NHL where people feel more like they're going to be supported by their peers to speak out because it the way that it's described by Aliu and the way that we've had it described by other people, the institution itself is not changing. So if you've already got your coach and, you know, the owner of the team going against you, it would be good to have the guys in the locker room have your back, right? Like that's yeah. Uh, that's the least that they can do at this point. And at the same time, I feel so absurd because like every single week we're talking about how morally bankrupt these like 20 year old millionaires are <laughs> like it's uh, i know it's such a weird conversation to be having but it has such a huge effect on youth across the country sports yeah. are so so deeply tied to our culture and our politics especially hockey with canadian culture oh i mean yeah and and that's another thing you know like For me personally, um, when I first moved to Canada, I started playing hockey because it was something I could do. I couldn't speak fluent French. I was living in Quebec. You know, like, 
my friends who were Anglophone and my friends who were Indigenous were playing hockey with me. And it was obviously primarily white Francophone kids, but I felt like there was something that I could do and everybody was being treated pretty well. Whereas outside, off the rink, like, a lot of these guys weren't talking to us because mm-hmm. why would they? And I felt like it gave us an opportunity to kind of get to know each other and, and value each other in a different way. And Akeem Aliu discussed this in a, a way huger thing than just me moving to Quebec, which was, you know, being a black kid that only spoke Russian, yeah. um, coming to Canada and obviously being hazed by like everyone in the only place where it didn't matter was on the ice. It is a really important thing that can really push connection and can push like integration. I mean, hockey can have so much to do, I think, and it has a lot for many of us to do with um, the immigration process. You know, hockey gives us something to to bond with about and because of that I feel like maybe these discussions we're having about you know again the moral bankruptcy of 20 year old millionaires (laughs) is maybe not so useless (laughs) yeah for sure because it trickles down and I and again that's such an important thing that Alia was bringing up was how how far these things trickle down I mean like all the way down to the AHL and to like you know we're talking about minor league hockey and we're talking about like kids hockey we're talking about like small teams, small local teams that still have so much effect on young kids and, um, you know, the friendships they can make, the places they can go. I mean, if you could potentially become an NHL player, that's massive. I mean, that literally can yeah, like change everything. Sure. So, yeah, no, I think these are just so like interesting, but also kind of depressing, but also again, like sometimes heartening conversations that are happening. I wish that these weren't always happening at the cost of alienation. And I wish that it wasn't always stuff like Aliu, who no longer plays for the NHL and now feels that he can talk about his experiences. I mean, before we'd heard about some incidences of him being harassed and... um, Yeah, there was a hazing incident with him as well. Yeah, and, and, you know, there was, like, the whole thing where people were like, oh, he doesn't really fit into the culture because he didn't want to, Mm -hmm. like be locked into a bus toilet with three other boys you know like it's yeah really devastating I could probably talk about hazing in itself for like a full hour because that's just (laughs) so horrific but right now it's such an interesting political climate for hockey and the one thing that I'm gonna say is that I do appreciate that hockey players are as much as it's often without substance or it's very basic or they're apologizing basically for expressing themselves (laughs) At least they're saying something. This is incredibly rare. I mean, it really is. Like it's it's sad that it's such a big deal, but honestly, it is a big deal that they're saying anything at all. Yeah, I mean, I think the last time I remember there being any conversation about any kind of politics, I think it was talking about sitting during the anthem. That's the Probably. last time that I remember there being some kind of conversation. Yeah, and even then, the sentiment if I remember correctly, was overwhelmingly against Colin Kaepernick. Oh, absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so I remember that during that, people asked Mike Condon because he had a political science degree, which is, like, both the funniest and most representative thing about this, because I believe Mike Condon has, like, a political science degree, but his dad's a cop or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, having taken many political science classes, not every white dude in the poli-sci class is worth listening to. (laughs) 
White dudes in poli-sci classes are kind of a meme. Mike Condon put out the most incredible poli-sci response that I've ever had in my entire life, where he was basically just saying like, yeah, I see the perspective from both sides. But he said it in like four or five sentences. He wrapped it into a beautiful little, oh my God, gotta make the word count package. It was so deeply representative of political science students that I, I had to respect it. But that's like the last thing I remember of there being any kind of political conversation, at least within the Ottawa Senators organization, mm-hmm. that was there at all. I mean, right now we have like, obviously, um, Borrow, and I, I saw that um, Anthony Duclair recently like shared something as well um, about like police violence in the US, which again a black player, you know, like, I, I wish he wasn't, like, one of the two people on the team who was addressing this, but, you know, it's just one of those situations. Yeah, I think that it's so rare in hockey, like, so incredibly rare that the political climate right now coming right after this article is pushing everybody in hockey right now to already confront sort of racist institu- institutions. And I think that also people may be a little bit afraid because yeah. Akeem Aliu like pointed some fingers about mm-hmm. people who oh he names people specifically yeah like and I think that you know if you're a hockey player maybe now is the time to really deeply reflect on that um, because people could come you know I, I think that it's created an environment in which people may come out and and talk about what you've done in the past and if you have you know been literally like a violent racist in the past maybe now's a good time to like try and 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 reconsider what you've done or you know donate to relief funds and do sensitivity training and share that that's something you're doing that twinge of fear i believe is also kind of playing a part in it right now and as much as i don't want self-preservation to be the thing guiding these conversations it's important like if that's the pressure sometimes the means justify are justified by the end right so yeah yeah wow that was really long (laughs) but the last thing is um coming from the new york rangers yeah um we can talk about some players who are going in the opposite direction right now responding in the worst way possible to the Mm -hmm. current climate in the nhl and that is Rangers players Tony D'Angelo and Brendan Lemieux. They are starting a podcast called Watch Your Tone, which is basically, from what it sounds like, um, just a podcast complaining about political correctness and how they can't say what they want yeah. to say. Um, which is like basically another way of saying we want to be openly um, racist and misogynistic and homophobic and not have people call us out on it. Um, and the Rangers technically are not affiliated with the podcast, but they did retweet the announcement. Mm. I mean, I was very surprised. Yeah. You know, there must have been some sensitivity, and especially in the current political climate, you want to be really careful about these things. I mean, they're obviously, like, kind of covering their ass by not endorsing it. Smart. Yeah. But do you think that they would retweet an announcement of a podcast that went in the opposite direction, that was talking about racism in hockey or homophobia in hockey or like generally hockey culture right you know the like iconic twitter bio line that's like retweets do not equals endorsements <laughs> yeah i think that's what the rangers are pulling here i think they're like well it's maybe just an interesting perspective you know what i mean like it's very 
you know, trying to say that they don't, they're not fully affiliated with it, but, you know, these are our players. You should totally, you know, maybe possibly listen to it. If you like our players, maybe you'll just want to hear them talking about stuff, right? You'll be interested in this. Yeah, I'm very skeptical about this, and we obviously don't know exactly what is happening in this podcast yet. But from what they have shared, they were talking about how it's going to be an honest podcast, which like, okay. And then they said they were talking about stuff that wasn't necessarily um, like politically correct. Which again, is, is code for offensive stuff. This podcast already exists. We don't need more hockey podcasts talking about stuff. We've covered exactly. the bases, honey. Like, <laughs> And there are tons of other podcasts too, guys, like... Stick to Sports podcast is great. I'm trying to... That's the one that came to mind. But there are tons of podcasts that talk about hockey culture. We're not the only one. You know, little shout out to my boys at Fifth Liners, um, who of I course. love. Yeah. <laughs> Never forget that I secretly sometimes write for Welcome to Your Carlton Years. <laughs> We're not necessarily covering a niche in the hockey market right now. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I think that you and I maybe possibly are covering a little bit of a niche because of the mascot stuff and because we are women. In general, this is something that's happening. People are talking about non-game related hockey things and it's an important conversation to have and it's something that's happening a lot. Why do we need Brendan Lemieux to do this? I mean, he could argue that, you know, most of these podcasts discuss it from the other side and we need to see his perspective and especially as a player. Yeah, like you said, it's not filling a niche. Like, Don Cherry's podcast is out there and yeah. at the very top of the charts, man. Like, you know, <laughs> we love to hate Don Cherry. Get out there, listen to this old sack of shits, like, things he's saying. Wow, that was incredibly <laughs> rude towards Don Cherry, but I don't take it back. Oh, don't. We already have enough politically incorrect hockey boys. You're everywhere. Like, you're literally, like, the entire NHL. <laughs> yeah. And and what does it accomplish anyways? Like, you, we don't need the ones that already exist either. All you're doing is just saying really nasty stuff about people, and it's not necessary. For the sake of not contradicting myself within the same episode, um, after I said that I thought there was value in listening to the Bolan and Barrow conversation... <laughs> <laughs> I think that there is value in listening to conversations between NHL players. I think it's a perspective that we can benefit from. I think that my disagreement with Lemieux's pivoting to podcasts is, and I will absolutely honestly admit to this, it is because of his political alignment. We're already in a situation where hockey players are primarily very conservative. You know, there is a lot of racially motivated violence. There is a lot of sexist violence. There is a lot of homophobic violence within hockey. When hockey players have an honest conversation about their relationship with that, from a critical perspective and from a perspective where they admit that they're flawed in their understanding of these issues, I think there's a lot of value in that. But why do we need to elevate the dominant voice? It doesn't need to be elevated more than it already is. It's literally the entire NHL. It's the entire AHL. It's the entire OHL. It's every single hockey organization out there. Like, you're not an outlier. Well, you never were, and you definitely aren't now. You sure. never were. Like, what? Do you think people are going to attack you for your, like, respect to the troops tweets? Like, what? what is wrong with you? Like, nobody... Some people will. Not that many people. Oh, it's nothing in comparison to what? players who come from marginalized communities go through it is absolutely nothing in comparison i want to hear more conversations between hockey players 
talking about holding themselves accountable. I want to hear more conversations of hockey players talking about their conflicting feelings with what is happening within the sport and with just the culture and the world in general. I don't want to hear like smug 20 year olds discussing things that are already seen as the norm within hockey culture. There's no honesty in that. There's no self-reflection in that. There's no vulnerability in that. And it's not bringing the conversation forward. Mm-hmm. Like there's, in my very biased, I will admit that, in my very biased opinion, there is no value in that. And, you know, people can obviously disagree with that, but you don't come to this podcast to not hear an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> like you're getting what you asked for. Yeah. I think that it's disheartening after seeing an outpouring of support, after seeing an outpouring of of hockey players becoming more vulnerable, like making themselves more vulnerable and making themselves more susceptible to ridicule in order to discuss things with honesty. Mm -hmm. When we're seeing these things, and again, like they're usually half-baked, it's usually like guys literally saying, don't be offended by me like supporting a good cause. That like tiny sliver of vulnerability is worth so much more than what we're going to get from Tony D'Angelo and Brendan Lemieux. And also I think the Rangers are doing a really, really dumb thing here. Incredibly stupid. Like, you want your New York hockey team fans to be even more white? Like, (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry, but A, like, New York, as we all know, is an extremely diverse place. You're already competing against another hockey team in your own market. And you're in a situation where right now people across the country and across the world are protesting injustice and violence against people of color. And you're, you know, like letting your players put out these like most likely very difficult podcasts. Yeah, it's very telling. My tinfoil hat conspiracy theory is that in exchange for allowing him to do this and also like giving like a little bit of support so that people will find the podcast because like let's be honest who cares about Brandon Lemieux my tinfoil hat conspiracy theory is that in exchange for that he is sending them the content before he puts it out so that they don't have to put out any major fires later on yeah like so that they can say they're not affiliated with it in case something like goes extremely south but they have a little bit of control over it. I think that they're trying to do a little bit of damage control yeah that does make sense I mean again I'm putting on my Tinfoil hat has been put on and I'm taking it off again. <laughs> That's just my No, theory. that makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. I think it's, yeah, I, I don't think that podcast should happen at all. I think that the smart thing that the Rangers should do would be like, we do not endorse this. You're putting yourself at risk of your contract being terminated. Yeah. <sighs> okay, Um, I'm really worked up. <laughs> yeah, so we, we talked about a lot of serious issues. Um so far good conversations very worked up are we ready for something not serious i'm ready for something that is so mellow and is really just gonna soothe my soul (laughs) that's what i'm ready for as always this is the mascot minute um if you do not want to listen to this it's this one is actually pretty mellow pretty chill it doesn't have explicit sexual content but if you generally just don't enjoy the mascot minute Skip ahead one minute. Um, there will actually be an ad after it. So just skip ahead until that. And then you're good. All right. Should we start? Yeah. Another day baking by the pool. Sparta Cat was hot and tired. He felt miserable. He closed his eyes and focused on his breath, a new meditation practice he was trying out during quarantine. He could hear the soft footsteps of Bailey walking towards him. 
The other lion sat in the lounge chair next to his and placed something on the small side table. Spotcat opened his eyes and saw something beautiful, gold and glistening in the sun. Is that... he gasped. Bailey smiled. Big red gold, yeah. I had a special delivery flown in for you. Spotcat couldn't believe it. Such a kind gesture. Little slice of home here in LA. He couldn't believe the other mascot had done something so thoughtful. For the first time in months, he felt a flutter in his stomach. I've noticed you're upset. Do you want to talk? Bailey asked. Or we can just sit, or I can leave you alone. Sparty sighed with relief. After so much time spent bending over backwards to try and make things work with Riddy, someone was finally asking about his needs. Please stay, he whispered. Bailey gently stroked his mane. Is this okay? he asked. The heat suddenly didn't feel so oppressive. The fresh taste of Canadian beer and the gentle touch of Bailey's paws made everything feel better. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Aww. <laughs> They're so cute. I wrote this and I myself am so soothed by these words. <laughs> I wish somebody could give me a special delivery of big red gold. You know how much I would give to lie by a pool <laughs> and drink big red gold? It would literally improve my life so much i'm so obsessed with this idea that i'm like five seconds away from ordering a kiddie pool for my shitty backyard <laughs> and like i live nice. in an apartment building my guys like i live in a downtown apartment building <laughs> but i am desperate for, to feel just a sliver of what spot cat is feeling right now Definitely. you know let's lighten up the mood we're feeling good we know that Spotcat and Bailey are in, like falling in love. Maybe who knows? Oh. Uh, I, don't I don't know, know. myself either. I, um, for the record, this, <laughs> this section of the mascot minute um, was my idea because I read a lot of real fan fiction, and right now the trend is quarantine fiction. So um, this is our own take on the quarantine trope. I n- literally do not read fanfic, and I kind of avoid it. And I think that maybe if I read fanfic, it would taint my writing of it. So... <laughs> no, it wouldn't. I should send you. I'll send you good fanfic. No, please don't. <laughs> I already have so many. I have literally a stack of library books. <laughs> I'm too busy. Um, Ugh, fine. I'm sorry. Actually, you know what? We should maybe talk about this. What are you reading right now? What's the uh, fanfic what on your mind? Fanfic? Oh, I haven't. I'm not like reading any long fanfiction right now. I'm just kind of browsing through the most recent works in a few fandoms because um, most of the fic I'm reading is quite short. What I am doing mm. is I just finished a massive reread of the Shadowhunter Chronicles, which for anyone who follows me on Twitter, you probably heard me talking about this. It was my like middle school obsession that I'm still like fully obsessed with, and I reread the whole thing every year. Anyways, I just finished Didn't that Didn't you reading. write about Shadowhunters for um, Fangalish as well? Yeah, I, I like relentlessly mocked the TV show because I really, really hated it. And it kind of ruined the whole fandom with just the fandom situation it created. I don't like that show, for the record. But I do <laughs> love the books. 
and the books are amazing and a new one came out in march and every time a new shadow hunter book comes out i just reread all the other ones there are like nine of them now plus a bunch of like bonus ones actually no there aren't nine there are ten now yeah and that's a, bunch of, a like, lot of books spin-offs and whatnot and there are still a whole bunch more books to come um, anyways, I finished that, and now I am rereading the Six of Crows series by Lee Bardugo, because all I can do right now is reread books. I am just not in the right headspace to read new ones. I'm reading a new book. I'm reading, um, The Anti-Diet by Christy Harrison, which is, like, theoretically a book about intuitive eating, but it's primarily, or in my, from what I've read so far, a lot of it is about, like, diet culture in the U.S. and, and the history of obesity and what the health mm-hmm. implications actually are it's very interesting it's really well written yeah. um but i've been going through it so slowly and then kind of aside from that i've been rereading um there's this book called women's spirit rising it's probably one of my favorite religious studies essay collections and it's edited by christ and plaskow it's amazing so i've just been kind of like dipping back into those essays I read them like years ago during my undergrad and I think when you're going through like all of the stuff that we're going through right now a lot of people including myself are kind of pivoting back to our like spiritualities to find some sense of um comfort and this is like such a good reader because you have you know we've got um feminist Muslims we've got feminist Christians we've got pagans like we have so many different religious and spiritual traditions written about from a female perspective and like from a critical feminist perspective it's my absolute favorite i'm like obsessed with it (laughs) that sounds cool like it's such a weird thing to have as your comfort read but i'm really enjoying it (laughs) as my comfort read (laughs) that's nice i did a thing which is that i went through the social media of every single player on the ottawa senators so you do not have to because most of it is really boring i salute you for this thank you it took so long because there's so many players who are like some of them are like still on the Belleville team but like their content is sometimes a little bit more juicy than what we see in like you know the the Sans players so I went through like the whole thing um none of them are reading books at least they're not sharing any of the books they're reading I'm not gonna say that they're not reading wait did Boro post a picture of a book that he's reading I feel like he did that god damn it well I missed it in that case because I have I checked, like, the posts. I didn't check all the stories because... Yeah, it was on his story. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Borrow. I forgot. Um, (laughs) Like, a lot of guys are just, you know, like, doing random quarantine activities. And I thought it would be fun if we would just be like, what are they doing in quarantine? What are they up to? Number one, Connor Brown got engaged. I love quarantine engagement. This is something that I've been seeing all over social media. I'm obsessed with it because there's, like, when this whole shebang happened so many people were talking about how quarantine might like ruin relationships right Mm -hmm. but what i'm seeing from my social media is that and personally i'm like almost 80 days into quarantine um i've seen a lot of like people getting engaged in my extended circle i mean i've been reading so much fan fiction about people getting together Clearly, the fanfic writers know what's up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what? You you predicted it. Um, yeah, Connor <laughs> Brown got engaged, but I thought it was cute. Brady Kachuk is absolutely killing the milk spawn. <laughs> I have never seen anything 
more deranged in my life. I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> a lot of it is him just like either chugging a glass of milk, fake chugging a glass of milk. Brady, <laughs> I know you're not actually drinking the milk. I can see it in your as, eyes. As a lactose intolerant person, I can't handle those. <laughs> They're so funny because he will be like, he'll or he'll like show himself making a smoothie with milk and then doing like a workout. And I also have like a sensitive stomach when it comes to milk. Seeing Brady Kachuk chug quote-unquote a glass of milk and then do squats <laughs> the bravest thing i've ever seen in my life the way he's like first i mix this smoothie that literally a smoothie with like three bananas or whatever and like a whole glass of milk and you're telling me you're going to work out then like <laughs> have you ever seen those videos of people like this is really nasty but <laughs> there's like videos of people like squatting with weights and they'll like poop themselves that's like a huge <laughs> thing <laughs> my roommate and I have been like working out at home a lot and I'm new to weight lifting but she's been doing it for a long time and she was like you have to be really careful when you're squatting with weights like this is a common occurrence the thought of Brady drinking milk and then working out braver than the marines absolutely the bravest thing he's ever done he's killing it it's usually just like him drinking a glass of milk making like a smoothie or whatever, and then doing like a little workout or a warm up to the most aggressive techno music you can imagine. <laughs> it's so funny. I grew up in Germany and I was like, oh, this is kind of aggressive. <laughs> that's the kind of techno music it is. So that's my favorite thing. I literally like I love downloaded TikTok again just so I can watch Brady's Milk Spawn. Um, <laughs> an incredible spawn situation. I feel like I should probably say this. When I say spawn, I don't mean like spawn, like S-P-A-W-N. I mean like sponsorships. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like sometimes I, I didn't accent... even think of that. I, I don't I know. Like... I guess I, uh, I, I'm on the internet enough that I know what spawn yeah. is. <laughs> I feel like sometimes my accent gets in the way of situations. So I'm like just right. making sure. Um, Chabot got the most iconic Ottawa spawns. He got the Andy Mattress. You know, mm, every Ottawa Senators player, if you're an Ottawa Senators player worth your salt, you have an ND mattress spawn. And a local car dealership. Pretty cool. That's like the most... I know that Pajot used to do tons of car dealerships. Uh, yeah. CC well, did some car dealerships. Jason Spezza's brother um, works for a car dealership. And my parents bought a minivan from him a few years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, I met Matt Spezza. He's cool. I what I remember is that he had a bunch of like signed sends memorabilia in his like <laughs> cubicle, and that's really the, cute. Okay, but like, it they were full of spelling mistakes and like really obvious oh. grammatical errors, like Eric Carlson. <laughs> that's so. I <laughs> mean, okay, but give the man a break. It's not his first language. <laughs> It's true. No, I. It, it's excusable with Eric Carlson. Like, I understand. Some of the other players did not have that excuse. <laughs> I that love that. That just, like, stands out to me. I feel like that shows you how legit it is, though. Because, like... Exactly. I mean, I mean, let them live. Spelling's fake anyway. Like, who cares? I love that. Also, is that the minivan? Like, yes, the minivan? Yes, the one, the one that... Um, I once helped you move with. We used it as a moving van a few years Beata ago. Beata is so small, and I am relatively <laughs> small, and Beata and I moved a queen-size mattress up, like, <laughs> one and a half floors. 
<laughs> with that many <laughs> on the hottest um, day sadly, in June. Oh god! Sadly, that minivan is no more. Mm, you um, also got hit by a bus in that minivan, right? I did. Yeah, <laughs> last year, last summer. Oh god! Um, got hit by an OC Transpo bus. That Honestly, was fun. And then well, had that- to get onto the had to get onto the bus to talk to the driver, and it was like <laughs> full at rush hour, and the driver kept saying that I hit him. <laughs> God, that minivan gone but not forgotten. It was iconic. Yeah. Um. Okay, <laughs> that was a detour. <laughs> Give Beata a local car dealership spawn. Like, you know, I'm not saying we won't sell out on this podcast. <laughs> um, but we will. Another thing I love the most, Colin White's dog. Okay, as we all know, I'm obsessed with Colin White's dog because he looks like Colin White. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, people who are new to the podcast probably don't know this. Colin White's dog looks like Colin White. I don't know what it is. I think it's the eyes. They look the same. Except now <laughs> the dog is like over a year old and it's literally the same size as Colin White. So <laughs> <laughs> it is my favorite thing on earth i'm a huge sucker for big dogs but like watching this whole king massive dog like on top of him is very funny um (laughs) nick paul got a puppy who also kind of looks like him again i love this trend i mean here's the thing like i don't know if i'm just reading into it at this point like i i personally also think that my cat looks like me so (laughs) maybe i just does he does (laughs) We have very similar noses. I don't know how to tell you this, but we kind of look the same. I just, I just keep, I keep seeing players with dogs that look like them, and it's a stereotype. I know it's a stereotype, but it's funny, and I like it. Um, Artem Anisimov has the cutest Instagram account. I did not follow him before, which is really rude of me. But apparently, he, I should be following him. He's adorable. Um, all of his posts are in both, I guess, Russian. Oh my god, correct me if I'm wrong. And English. Like, he does it in both languages. Sometimes he just does it in one or the other. And um, currently he's just painting, like, on little... Wow, Beata, I'm really bad at this. What do you call the the thing? A canvas. <laughs> he's got his little He's got his little canvases out and he's painting with his daughters. And it's absolutely adorable. Borrow is in the in the comments going, Artem Anisimov is the most interesting man in Ottawa. Like, <laughs> it's so cute. His painting sucks ass. But, <laughs> but you know what? That just makes it so much more endearing. I mean, okay, it's not terrible. It's just not great. It's like, you know those like paint nights where people will get together and they'll paint replicas of famous paintings? Mm-hmm. It's kind of got that vibe. And I think it's cute. I mean, he's not, like, stretching his creativity too far, but... I'm on his account right now. I just follow him. It's cute, right? It's cute! It's just him and his kids. Just guys being dudes. I love love a wholesome hockey man account. Um, Schlappik? Oh my god. Okay. (laughs) Schlappik is a must-follow for reasons, but his girlfriend is a bigger (laughs) must-follow. Schlappik is doing TikTok dances on his model girlfriend's Instagram. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, that yells Gen Z like young <laughs> hockey player on his model girlfriend's Instagram doing TikTok dances. Badly, I might add, but I love it. Like I love it so much. It's 
so beautiful to me. It's so funny. I think that, you know, not to toot my own horn as a European, but I think that European players genuinely have a little bit more of a wiggle room in being sort of expressive and absolutely um you know like we don't have the same sort of extremely uniform macho culture attached to um our like personas in hockey Mm -hmm. i mean i'm not a european hockey player but you know in my experience that's just not a huge part of our sports culture and so these like young european players are like very funny and kind of goofy and i love that for them um, Logan Brown kind of like dips his toe into it. Logan Brown is just continuing to post pictures in which he looks taller than everybody else, like king of being <laughs> taller than all his friends. Um, but um, seeing Schlappig do TikTok dances in like rural Czech Republic is truly like iconic and beautiful. Uh, Scott Sabarin, Sabarin, how do you guys how how do how do the Anglo's say it? I think okay. I don't, I don't know how the Anglo's say it. <laughs> This is such a difficult I'm bilingual. Part. I no, I just if it's if it looks like a French name, I pronounce it the French way. That's <laughs> the correct say, way. Sabarin I don't Sabarin, Um is having a baby. Yeah. Which again, cute announcement. Good for him. That's nice. I love good news during um during a yeah. pandemic. My favorite. Craig Anderson is literally just gaming. And he's not just gaming, he's literally just playing like formula one or like nascar race games (laughs) and then like streaming them on twitch he has like a whole setup he's great he's just i mean i feel like you know like we obviously love craig anderson iconic king of ottawa whatever also one of those players where everybody loves his wife you know like Mm -hmm. cutie but he's getting older um Mm -hmm. and I think that's a thing that, like, was brought up in the podcast where Borrow and Wolanin were chatting. Borrow was saying that, you know, like, once he gets to retirement, he's been getting really into, like, Muay Thai and kickboxing. And yeah. he'd really love to sort of start training more about that. And, like, maybe when he's in retirement, sort of, like, um, go to other countries to... Yeah, he said he wanted to, like, go to Thailand and just fight. Yeah, <laughs> which is, like, really funny. I also like that he's very humble about it, though, because I feel like a yeah. lot of professional athletes would be like, oh, I can do whatever I want. But um, he was like, they'd kick my ass, but I want to see what they're doing. <laughs> like, I would like to, you know, train there and, like, yeah. have a fight and see what other people are doing. And I thought that was kind of nice. Um, in comparison, I feel like Craig Anderson is just going to become a Twitch streamer. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and he's playing, like, truly, in my opinion, some of the most boring video games. I mean, I find video games boring in general, but I cannot imagine just playing car racing, like, vroom vroom video games. It's like you're combining, A, the most boring sport, which is Formula One. I mean, it might be NASCAR. I don't know. It's cars, cars driving yeah. in circles. You're combining cars driving in circles with literally not even sitting in the car. <laughs> <laughs> It's so deeply boring, and I respect him so much for that. And then Borrow, as we've discussed before, is really leaning into Instagram these days. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly he posts pictures of his like adorable baby and his dogs and his workouts. Mostly the workouts, actually. Yeah, I mean, his like bit is to like sh- post a workout of him like you know hitting like a punching bag or whatever mm-hmm. like a a tire got him obsessed with the videos of him just hitting a tire with a hammer yeah um, <laughs> like mostly he's just doing that and then being like this is me you know thinking about people who aren't wearing masks or this is me thinking uh-huh. about racism like um that's like his little bit him. right now i think it's very cute um but 
A, like he said this about Wolanin as well, he's replying to like as many comments as he possibly can, which is really mm-hmm. cute. He's like, I'm not a celebrity. I got to reply to the comments. Um, uh-huh. And B, he's on like every single other player's Instagram, just hyping them up. Like truly, like we have him saying that Anisimov is like the most interesting man in Ottawa. You know, like telling Nick Paul that his puppy is cute. <laughs> Who could have guessed <laughs> that Mark Borvietsky is like such a fun cool person like people kept talking about how he's great in the room people like him but you never know what that really means in hockey culture and I just feel like in the last few years he has just like blossomed and he has shown people what a fun person he is and I love it I mean I think he's pretty secure within the organization and so he can kind of like push things a little bit as well um and I also think that I mean, his wife is, like, very cool, and I think that she also kind of has a little bit to do with that. Um, And I think we maybe don't necessarily discuss often enough how much player wives can have to do with, you know, the way that players interact with other players and with the organization Mm -hmm. and with fans and whatever. And, like, he mentioned that, like, she's looking at going to grad school and he's kind of going to, like, settle down a little bit and stuff, which is really great. He's truly, like, I didn't realize how much of a dad he already is. Right? Um, but all of his Instagram comments have extremely, like, like my friend's mom's on Instagram being like, oh, that mm. bread looks great, honey. I <laughs> you know. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's, the, that's the vibe I get, and I, I love yeah. it. Um, in conclusion, most of our players have boring Instagram accounts. Um, I would recommend Anisimov. I would recommend Schlopik. You know, you you get what you get. Uh, sometimes Shabbat does some like fun stuff. I'm I I'm ready to take back what I said about Shabbat last time, when I said that he was like kind of awkward and like maybe not great. Um, like a great presence. I feel like he has a weird dorky boy presence going on that I'm actually Definitely. starting to get really into. Follow Colin White's dog on Instagram, honestly. <laughs> Scott Sabarine. All of his pictures are mostly him fishing. <laughs> And as I've decided that fishing is going to be my new hobby, I'm kind of into it. Yeah, don't. I'm I'm really trying to find things to do in quarantine. (laughs) I haven't been fishing in literally like four years, but I'll I'll set you up with my brother because he's really into fishing, so he can tell you. He can show you the basics. Oh my god, does he want to join my friends and I in having matching fishing hats? Because that's probably not. But he could give you some tips. I will definitely take you up on that. Um, God, your brother and I have so much in common. It's actually really freaky. Right? I feel like we keep having this conversation. Why have you two never I'll met? be like, I'll be like, oh, I'm doing this thing in the garden. And you'll be like, yeah, my like 18 year old brother is doing the same thing. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love him. I love him from a distance. <laughs> All right. So that's that. Like. You know, I I feel like it's worth... I follow everyone, and I check in on their Instagram accounts every now and again. I feel like it's worth it. Every now and again, you get a good gem. For sure. Most of the times, you don't. I do think that Anders Nilsson is a relatively good follow, and so is his wife. Mm-hmm. But it's mostly because they wear, like... His wife is really into sewing, like, weird tracksuits with pockets in, like, the crotch. Which... <laughs> okay. <laughs> like really questionable but i really respect how like i respect that she's making her own clothes and i and i feel like she takes some risks with clothing so 
you know, I respect yeah. <laughs> Um, So um, let's move on from weird Instagrams to just honestly kind of stupid hockey news. Oh, God. <laughs> so basically the NHL has announced that they are going to go through with the playoffs. Mind you, people in many places still cannot attend funerals, but... Um, apparently hockey players are now considered essential workers and there's going to be a playoff tournament held in one team, in one city. Um, we're not sure where yet. They haven't announced that. And I think they're basically just going to put all the players, sounds like they're just going to like put them in a hotel and just like quarantine them together and hope nobody gets COVID. So what I read was that it's two hub cities, one on the East Coast, one on the right, West Coast. Yeah. Um, they still haven't to determine the hub cities. They're suggesting there was an internal memo. memo? Oh my god, memo. Who am I? <laughs> <laughs> there was an internal memo discussing that they were looking into starting training camps on July 10th, which is really mm-hmm. soon. I'm not even it allowed is. to go to the office at July 10th. We're not allowed to record our podcast in person. Um, Like, it's just, it seems very irresponsible. So right now what they're doing is they're suggesting that if you have a rink nearby um, where you are right now that you can train. I mean, we saw the photos a couple of days ago of Jean-Gabriel Pajot and Cody Cece on their way to a rink in Ottawa to practice. Um, I don't, you know, like, I don't know how responsible this is so stupid like first of all as many people have pointed out before the nhl had a mumps outbreak a few years ago and Mm. that did not work out like they're saying right now that the players are going to be tested regularly which is a pretty irresponsible use of testing like it's already limited and you're going to use it on these athletes so that they can play hockey but and then they're also saying that the players are supposed to self-monitor for symptoms i'm sorry do they know anything about <clears throat> hockey culture and the way that players will do anything to like hide injuries? Sidney yeah. Crosby did a you know, an interview where he had a giant like lump on his face and he was like, I don't have the mumps and it spread through the NHL. Yeah, I mean and and it's also in most cases encouraged by trainers and by yeah. the organization to push through depending on like where you're at, but especially when we're talking about the playoffs, almost all players are going to play injured unless you literally cannot play injured unless you, and you know, like, unless literally, like your leg falls off Yeah, people are going to be playing, I mean Eric Carlson played with, like, what a ruptured Achilles? Yeah, well, there was that famous story of um, uh, was it Bergeron playing with was it a broken rib that um, ruptured his lung, that punctured his oh, lung? God. Yeah, like it was a broken rib and he kept playing and it punctured his lung and he kept playing after that because it was the Stanley Cup Finals. Like, I'm interested, I would be interested to see how different it is with a very contagious disease because then you're mm. putting your teammates at risk. So that might change things a little bit, but I still definitely don't trust players to do this. I think that, A, we don't know enough about COVID-19, but what, 
has been said is that primarily it's a virus that's deadly to people with pre-existing health conditions. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking at a group of pro athletes, of young men who are used to pushing through pain to play hockey, especially Mm -hmm. when it gets to the Stanley Cup finals and when it gets to the playoffs, they probably won't consider it too much of a risk. Like they're probably going to be like, oh, I can get over it. My teammates can get over it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel, I don't know how good they're going to be at self-monitoring and also at reporting their own illness. And also because for a lot of people, um, it starts out, I mean, the incubation period is so long and it can also just feel like a cold. Mm -hmm. So you don't, you know, it's very responsible. What Batman is suggesting is that games could be played between July 31st or like the beginning of August and October 7th. From what I know personally here in Ottawa, where like we're starting to kind of like flatten the curve, you know, it's even here, office, most office jobs are not going to continue in person until past Labor Day, which is in September. Yeah, so my university isn't resuming in person classes until January. Yeah, it's the same at U Ottawa, it's the same um, at like OCAD, like putting a group of hockey players and even if they're saying like oh we're making sure that these teams never travel in like mm-hmm. more than 50 people 50 people <laughs> yeah i haven't seen 50 people in so long <laughs> i know like, i know maybe when like, i go to the grocery store like it just seems so irresponsible yeah and i understand that it's frustrating for the teams that thought they had a good chance at the Stanley Cup. Like, oh, of course. I, I, I know that I would probably feel a little bit differently about this and a little bit more upset about the season potentially being cancelled if it was in a season like 2015 or 2017 where the Suns actually did have a good chance at doing well and I was actually excited about the playoffs. But sports leagues all over the world are facing this exact same thing and I'm sorry, the Stanley Cup is not this important like no you know well first of all like in the in 1919 i believe they tried to make um they they tried to carry through with the playoffs and um award the stanley cup and it didn't happen why because players got influenza Mm. right like there was an outbreak in the nhl and they had to cancel the playoffs for that exact reason and we also did not award the Stanley Cup in 2005 because there was a lockout and there was another lockout in 2013 and we still got to do the playoffs then. But I don't know. This is a league that is so willing to just like cancel seasons because of money. And then suddenly mm-hmm. people's lives actually depend on them canceling their season and they just can't because apparently we have to have the Stanley Cup every year. Yeah. And I also think that I mean, a huge part of the playoffs is, of course, the fan experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't have any of that. You know, people can't attend games. You can't have mm-hmm. viewing parties responsibly. You can't have mm-hmm. any kind of events that are usually tied to um, to, to the playoffs. I don't... I mean, I obviously don't think it's responsible. Like, that's... No. Neither of us are doctors... Neither of us are public health, like, experts. But I believe if you look at literally every doctor and public health expert out there, they're telling us to stay home as much as we can for the foreseeable future. 
this has already dragged out much longer than many of us had expected. Mm-hmm. And if, as you said, like if people can't go to funerals, people can't go to church services, people can't go to uh, graduations, people can't go to university, people can't go to their jobs. Mm-hmm. So many of us have been laid off um, because of this. I kind of don't feel so bad when I'm thinking about people who I know who've been laid off and who are now living off like so much less than they're used to living off. Mm-hmm. Like it's like what four thousand a month right now, and that's going to be taxed at the end of the year. Like, um, yeah, as a student, I get twelve hundred a month, which yeah, is it's nothing. nothing. It's absolutely yeah. nothing. So like with my with the summer job I have, that's like one paycheck. You know? Yeah. Um. So with people who I know who are like taking such a huge pay cut and and many people who are in the situation right now where they can't afford their own rent, they can't afford their housing, they can't afford, you know, medicine and all of these things. I, I find it very hard to feel bad for money bags, millionaires (laughs) Mm -hmm. who can't play their games. And I, I think there's so much value in sports and I think that there is, it can be an, a very like bonding and relaxing and um, important cultural experience for everyone, the players, but also the viewers. I think that there is so much value in sports in general, but not enough to put people's lives at risk. And you're not talking about people who are frontline workers. These aren't essential workers. These aren't people who we're going to die without seeing. Um no. These aren't people who are doing jobs that, like, if they weren't being done, we'd be, like, in so much trouble. It's literally people playing a game of hockey. Mm -hmm. I complain about them so much, but I don't want to see my hockey boys get sick. (laughs) No. Like, Like, I'm relieved that the Sens aren't in the playoffs, you know? I'm like, they're they're safe, right? Um, But, yeah, I I think that this is very irresponsible. I don't know if Batman's going to be able to get away with this. Yeah. Obviously, well, there's so much money in sports, and that does yeah. have some, like, political weight. Mm-hmm. But... And we should also talk about the fact that it's not just the players that are being put at risk. Like, there's a, there are a lot of NHL staff members who oh, yeah. are going to have to be at the games, who are going to have to be in close contact with the players, and they could get sick. They Their families could get sick. Right? Like, it's Absolutely. just not responsible. People will probably die because of this decision. I mean, you're you're absolutely right with that. I mean, we're not just talking about NHL staff. We're talking about, um, you know, staff at the rinks. Um, mm-hmm. People who... Yeah, people who do maintenance at the rinks. People who, um, you know, like the, the physiotherapists and the doctors. And people who are employed mm-hmm. by the NHL to keep the players healthy people who are employed by the NHL to just do general maintenance, people who do catering and filming and creating content who are being put at risk at the same time and also being put into this situation where it's like, well, you either do this, you put yourself at risk, or you could be out of a job. Mm-hmm. That's a really difficult situation to put people in, especially those employees who are being paid a lot less than the players and who rely on that paycheck. Um, yeah, that's, honestly, um, my little brain hadn't even thought of that yet, but (laughs) now that you say it, I mean, think about how much staff is employed at just one ring. That is something that I hadn't considered, but now I'm like, oh God, 
yeah, <laughs> makes it even more scary. Really um, so on top of this, like, very questionable decision, I do not know what's happening with the draft lottery. I'm going to admit to this. I literally don't understand it. <laughs> it's very complicated. I tried to understand it. The Sens have a shot at the top two picks because we have two picks in the lottery right now, I believe. Um, very exciting. It's happening, I think, in, like, mid-June is the time they're spitballing. Yeah. It's not like they're going to do two lotteries because also the play- the teams that get eliminated in the first round are going to be a part of it. Very complicated. So if you want to know what's happening with the draft and the draft lottery, um, please listen to the cost per point cast. Yeah, I mean, we're literally in the same feed. Listen to people who actually know what they're talking about. <laughs> We were we were trying to like understand it and we were thinking we were gonna talk about it and then we're like, you know what? No, we're just gonna sound dumb if we <laughs> say this after the cause for point cast. Yeah. Because uh, we know nothing, so go go listen to them. I think people accuse us of being out of our depths already a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Both Beata and I have done a lot of reading outside of hockey about like you know, cultural and political factors of, of, inter- of interactions and of cultural institutions and all of these things. But when it comes to the draft lottery, <laughs> yeah. that's not us. That is, that's not us. And um, we're going to be really brave here and just say that we really don't know what it means. Um, cost per point cast has you covered for that. And uh, they're good boys. So you should just listen to them instead. Yeah. Or actually, no, sorry. Listen to us and then listen to cost per point cast. Do not, don't you yes. dare not download this podcast. <laughs> we need this. <laughs> um, so finally, um, to wrap it up, we're going to award Big Rig Energy of the week. Um, we've brought him up a lot. I think he's started a really important conversation in hockey right now, and that's Akeem Aliu. Um, the article yep. he wrote was brilliant. Um, it's definitely worth reading. It's a bit of a long read, but it's a good read. Yeah, it's it's a very good. So I think that's it. Yeah, I yeah, think we've um, spoken enough. <laughs> definitely, nice long episode this week. So thank you for listening to this Melnikin Life. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. I am at C Beata E, and I am at Cool Cat Mum. That's Mum with a U. And you can also email us at thisamelnikinlife at gmail so the music this week is The Search by Tarek Anwar. You can find this and all of his music at tarekanwar.bandcamp.com. That's Tarek with a Q at the end. Yes. And our logo is designed by Lena Nove and Angus Fitzgerald Clark. For bonus content, please find us at patreon.com slash Life, And you can subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And of course, rate us and review us on iTunes. Remember that we are now the Silver 7 podcast. Yeah, wherever you're listening to this, just uh, give us a little review. It really helps to kind of make this podcast more searchable for people who are interested in listening. I don't know, to us talk, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so have a good week. Thank you. Bye. Bye.